Welcome everyone once again to the Irish NFL show. As the show says, it's about the free agency frenzy and helping me sum up the first week of craziness. As always, Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, good evening, gents. Evening, the uh, rounding out a, a four-day uh, weekend and uh, it has been uh, a great weekend. Um, it has been a great weekend for some teams in the NFL um, and it's been an interesting weekend for others, which I'm sure we're going to get into. When we wrapped up last Tuesday evening, we, we made some predictions around players going to certain places which didn't materialise and the, the last three or four days has just been crazy in this crazy world of free agency. Yeah, guys, I mean, St. Patrick, as we all know, is the patron saint not only of Ireland, but of Nigeria, Montserrat, and also of NFL free agency, because it's always Paddy's week that the craziness transpires. But I'll give you another Irish connection to free agency. Bring bring you back to the 1980s for a second. So just imagine, you know, Michael's not even an illicit thought in his parents' eyes at that stage. Colm is there, a, a cheruby little toddler with lovely rosy cheeks. And Brian is there, a mature teenager, already looking for a pint. And back in the 80s, you had there uh, a famous incident where Charles Corhey's expression was kind of, uh, it was paraphrased by Conor Cruz O'Brien. And we bought the term Gubu. And Gubu stands for grotesque, unprecedented, bizarre, and unbelievable. And gentlemen, we have had the grotesque behavior of teams pimping themselves out to try to get a piece of the Sean Watson. The unprecedented behavior in terms of a massive trade for a non-quarterback and Devontae Adams with an unbelievable um, contract to, be, to go with it. The bizarre behavior of the Jags thinking Christian Kirk deserves to be paid like a number one wide receiver. And of course, the Colts didn't have to give up anything in fact, they got draft picks to get rid of Carson Wentz's ridiculous contract. And then, of course, the unbelievable nature that every player in the whole entire universe wants to now play in the AFC West. And it's quickly become the American League East of the NFL. I know we will touch on all of these. We will touch on the totality of free agency on top of the two shows we've done already this week. But guys, we've got to start with what is, quite frankly, the biggest quarterback contract, the biggest quarterback trade, potentially up there of all time. Um, Herschel Walker is the only other player that's ever been traded for three first-round picks. That didn't work out too well for the Vikings back in the day. But, Colm, where do you start with the Deshaun Watson trade to the Cleveland Browns? Well, I think you, you have to start with everything that surrounds it, right? Because I, I don't believe you can look at this purely in a footballing sense. The The reality is, is that Deshaun Watson, whilst he isn't facing criminal charges, he is still um, has 22 accusations of sexual misconduct against him. We don't know, you know what way that is essentially going to play out. Everybody has kind of been sitting on it. And it... They know, like, the reality is the Browns know there is a suspension coming and they have facilitated this by reducing his contract um, in the, the first year. I, I think that is probably the the, the grubbiest thing on the Brown side of it. Um, the, you know, the it, we, we knew that the, the criminal charges were unlikely and the civil cases will have to get worked out. When the league will take action it remains to to be seen they they don't seem to um want to to do that but we know in the past um ben roethlisberger has has faced suspension we know um that that others have as well so i you know we've seen a lot over the weekend i think greg rosenthal had a really good piece where he talked about how you know teams were going out of their way to um, make themselves attractive to Deshaun Watson, but Deshaun Watson wasn't speaking or explaining his side of things um, at all. We have seen Mina Kimes have a, a really good podcast, and we have seen others respond to the Browns, um, I suppose, uh, press release earlier today saying they had done their due diligence. Um, but then um, apparently nobody spoke to the lawyer for the 22 women. So... 
you wonder what kind of due diligence was done. But, you know, given that we are on the side of the Atlantic where there's a fit and proper uh, test to own a Premier League club, and we all know how that works, it seems that similar sort of due diligence may have been done on by the Browns. So, yeah, it just doesn't feel, yeah, that 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 all, I think, has to, has to be part of it. We've seen, you know, some long-term Browns fans express extreme disappointment. Um, so I think that's all part of it. And, um, I mean, there there is obviously the footballing side that we will get on to, but I don't think you can ignore everything else that goes with this trade. I think Colin has summed up the off-the-field stuff very well, so I, I suppose I'm going to step away from that part. I think the process itself and how it played out over the last week was unusual in the sense that he went off. He'd, yeah, it was strange, because I said to Colin last week, after everything that's gone on, he's the guy holding all the cards at the end of this. He was the one meeting with the Falcons, meeting with the Saints, returning to meet with the Saints again, which then started to look like it was going to be them again. The Browns had obviously made their case as to why they wanted him. He was then declaring the Browns out as someone he didn't want to go to. And it seemed to be them between the Falcons and the Saints. And then obviously then come Friday evening, we get the, the news that he's decided to reverse his decision on the Browns, which a lot of people are saying is, is a lot down to the fact that the contract, which was an offer, which as you touched on Mark earlier on, was astronomical. And it wasn't anything like what the, what the Falcons and, and the Saints were putting on the table. From a footballing point of view, the fact that he's gone into the AFC for me, you know, kind of cements the fact that I think it is more contract and, and financially related because he's gone into a, a, a conference which we've said is packed. It's only got even busier with the recent trade of Russell Wilson going in there, which makes it, you, this division in the West is going to be so competitive. And you'd think he would have more of a free reign and a free run in terms of t- being with a team that could potentially go towards the Super Bowl in the Saints, I felt, because I still feel they're a strong side. But um, from, the Browns are right back in the... You'd have to expect the Browns to be right back in the next year and going up against a team that's just been in the Super Bowl in the division. And from the suspension point of view, yeah, it is coming, and I think that was even more evident yesterday when they took in Jacoby Brissett, because whilst he's not the quarterback that we saw when he was with the Patriots early on in his career in terms of running around, I still think he kind of fits that offence around what they'll put in for Deshaun Watson, and I think they've already kind of put him in, in place because he will be the one, you know, and have to be playing those five or six games and they've moved Case Keenum on in the meantime. Yeah, and you say as Case Keenum's already moved on, there is a, a far more fascinating uh, domino still to fall, though, which is, I mean, we talked a little bit, maybe not a lot about where is James Winston going to end up? Where is Jimmy Garoppolo going to end up? And now... A very interesting question. Where is Baker Mayfield going to end up? <coughs> Colts. Uh, but still, um, that that may be an interesting domino that left for. I mean, guys, it's very rare that we've still got such intrigue around the quarterback position a week into free agency. Usually they're the first ones to fall off, but now different things keep to triggering. We can't really say it's very clear who is going to be starting where and how. Um, also, where does this leave the Steelers? Like, they, they've, you know been loading up on guns. The AFC North is maybe just as uh, powerful at the moment as the AFC West. But Baker's being treated pretty shabbily by this whole process. I mean, he was injured. He was flying through an injury last week. No, Brian, you don't want to see him at the Giants? Um, I've made my feelings on Baker Mayfield very clear throughout the course of the season and in the offseason. I, I don't want him coming to the Giants. Um, now, look, yeah. I still think that's not fair against the rounds of possibility, but he wouldn't be for me. You touched on there the call Seahawks are in play, but I mean, I found it a bit stranger that he made it very clear and very you know, transparent. They're in on the Sean Watson. He then obviously takes takes it out and puts out his own personal press press release to say, "I've been not dealt with here well, and I want I want away." He didn't formally put in the request for the trade until the following day after the statement, and then they. They were out on the Deshaun Watson thing because obviously the Watson camp had said, no, it's, Cleveland isn't for us. And then they backtracked a little bit on Baker and said, no, we're not going to give you your wishes and trade you, which was a bit embarrassing really. And then 24 hours later, they will probably let him go now. So now I guess it's more about the value and what they, where they see because they're after giving away so much now. I think they will hold their, they will hold for it until they lead up to the draft and try to get as much much from one team. But I, I'm again, I'm not sure what, what the value is. I saw Michael Lombardi but now he feels they'll be looking for a day two um, pick, which is a second round or a third round. 
again, I'm not sure. Maybe Colin will give us top of the word on what he thinks the value is because he knows how I feel about the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, Colin, come on. Compared to the, the Colts, who must have thought they'd have to give something to get rid of Wentz. Now they're looking around and saying, we've got some extra picks. Seattle, we're in the market for a quarterback. Like, it, it's still going to be people interested in Baker Mayfield and reclaiming him. Maybe, but the it's been a slow market thus far. The, we haven't talked about the other QB who's really badly treated, and that's Matt Ryan, who, in fairness to Matt Ryan, came into a really bad situation at the the Falcons when Michael Vick um, was, you know, um, arrested, convicted of um, dog fighting, and put that franchise really in a mess. Ryan, who has really gone about um, his business in a very professional way, even in the midst of the Falcons um, going out and you know trying to to get Watson, and the the fa- we had we saw that the Falcons. Uh, Twitter. I don't know if people saw that, but the eye emoji yesterday, um, and that that was it. But uh, that I, I hope for fans because I've seen a, a lot of talk over the past few days about loyalty and players not being loyal and this and that. Players, why why would they be? I mean, they can do everything they can. In fairness to Matt Ryan, he had a pretty good year last year, given um, that he didn't have Julio Jones, he didn't have Ridley, and um, he got. Um, Gage paid, um, who's now probably going to go on to put up serious numbers under Brady. But uh, Matt Ryan, you know, has um, now, now ha- had all this to contend with. What do the Falcons ultimately do? Do they they try running it back with Matt Ryan and and try to repair that? So the the knock on impacts on all of this when you openly flirt with uh, another QB. What is that going to do to your locker room and what's that going to do to the team dynamics? There, There's a lot to play out over the the next uh, little while, I think. Uh, Ryan is due a contractual bonus of I think it's, uh, just short of $8 million, which is due to be paid tomorrow based on the dates within the contract. So I imagine if they hadn't got Watson last week, they would have quickly looked to either ship him in, in a trade somewhere else or, or potentially even release him. So well, they, it, they had yeah. put, they had pushed that the Falcons thought the Falcons thought they were getting Deshaun Watson so they pushed this Matt Ryan one um you know we we saw obviously uh Kyle Pitts shares the same agent tweeted and, and deleted so yeah it's been quite uh quite the the, the grubby few days uh for for the league and for a mm-hmm. lot of people involved so you're saying that um, Matt Ryan agreed to that extension of that bonus as well. He had to consent to it. So he has done more than his bit for Falcons. And I know if you're a fan in the NFC South and you're a Buccaneers fan, it's not been a bad start to the season of 2022 really for you, considering your quarterback is now sorted. The Falcons are in disarray. The Saints still don't have a quarterback or a head coach. Well, they've got a head coach, but they don't have Sean Payton anymore. So um, some divisions have, you know, change say blue change and, and, the, blue and the panthers are the panthers are in flux as well well i mean i wasn't even going to mention the uh the burning inferno going on there um but gentlemen i mean and sorry to everybody listening obviously please feel free uh please do throw in your comments whether on uh twitter or on uh, youtube etc on youtube we can display them here on twitter we'll we'll take the time to read them all out fred the the hangovers are all right but actually fred put up another comment that you, we flashed up there the Browns should be shunned, lads. Um, there were a lot of teams, let's be honest, the Saints and the Falcons we were mentioning, who were desperate to get Deshaun Watson into the fold and will make excuses of the circumstances surrounding it, um, but certainly leaves a bit of taste in the mouths uh, of many fans and people. But if he starts winning, I guarantee you Browns fans and Cleveland will forgive him for any and all indiscretions. But for me, the bit the guy can't get over is Teams are prosecuting themselves to Deshaun Watson. What was he saying, doing, kind of to sell himself to the teams? Um, and we talk about the Browns wanted a adult, apparently. Um, I'm not too sure they've got one there. But we shall move on. Gentlemen, we're always very grateful to our sponsors, uh, Trust Gaming, uh, Minisystemsarcade.com, uh, and the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. 
And we're grateful for them because with them, we grow. We all grow together. It's a fantastic symbiotic relationship. You would have thought that the relationship, therefore, between a quarterback and a wide receiver, especially when they help each other so much, would be similarly symbiotic. But apparently some wide receivers, regarded as the best in the league, don't want to play with their quarterback anymore, even when they're offered more money to stay with their current team. In fact, they just love their old quarterback at Fresno College so much that they want to play for the Las Vegas Raiders. Gentlemen, we could talk about the Buffalo Bills giving six years and $120 million to a 33-year-old pass rusher, but we could also talk about the mega trade and mega deal for Devontae Adams going to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, yeah, several key picks involved, obviously, but also a lot of money, though apparently not as much money as the Packers wanted to give him. So Aaron Rodgers, you got paid, but you now no longer have your security blanket. Gents, let's break it down. I mean, how is this going to affect the balance of power, the shift of power? between the in those divisions but also between the packers and the raiders and what it means obviously going into the draft Colin. well i suppose the, the the interesting thing was you know the it was very unexpected right when the franchise tag was placed on adams the ex expectation was that they were going to get a, a deal done especially with looking at, at um, Roger's contract and the likelihood that, you know, the expectation that he was probably going to be there for another few years, though Andrew Brandt still says he thinks that um, he, he only has one more year there. But there had been a lot of talk last week about how Devonta Adams wanted to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame when he retired and that his, the best way to go about that was to continue to play with Aaron Rodgers, given the connection that they have. Now, he he decided against that, but he, he decided against that not for more money, but because he was interested in, in going to Las Vegas to play with the, the Raiders uh, in a, a stacked AFC West, you, you would have to say. So an interesting one, because when you consider the um you know an nfc north you would have to say that despite the moves that have been made in you know some of the other teams and the bears looking in better shape than they have in um a, quite a while and the vikings under a new head coach and detroit well trying but it's going to take a long time to to sort that out you would say that surely the Packers had a, an easier path to the division, to a conference championship, to a potential Super Bowl, but uh, Adams decided against all that, so he brings his considerable talents to the AFC West. It's going to be very interesting because ultimately I think it puts um, a, a good bit of pressure on Derek Carr to produce now. Uh, but in, in fairness, and I am have been a massive critic of him in the past, given what he did in uh, Denver. But Josh McDaniels doesn't seem to be making the same sort of mistakes that he did the first time around as head coach. Um, you know, so he gets um, one of the most talented wide receivers in the game. He's on he's on a big deal, sure. But, um, you know, if you want to score points, you've got to have it. So they have given, um, you know, Carr an extra weapon. Hunter Renfo. Waller and now Devont Adams, they are seriously stacked in terms of that receiving core. Um, when the when the trade went through, we took time to kind of I suppose get our heads around that. I was actually thinking back to that wild card game, and I remember on the Monday after we we felt that the Raiders were close to winning, and we discussed that last drive and the mistakes made by Carr. But throughout the course of that game, Chase was a difference for Borough, and we were saying in that game if the Raiders had an explosive uh, wide receiver downfield, it could have been very different. They've addressed that. They, but it's for, for the Packers, it's all about the Packers for me because I think they're trying to save face here. Um, there was an article saying, oh, Rogers was aware of what was going on before he signed the contract. Don't buy into that. Um, they said they've offered him more money. I don't buy into that either because at the end of the show, and she was, I mean, Colin felt that there was more changes on the way for the Packers. We've seen so much Monday and Tuesday last week of how they were getting themselves in place in terms of players being released, players signing contracts. And it was more around the fact that they needed to get things shorter before they gave Rogers that contract. And we said it's going to consume so much of the cap, something's going to have to give. And what's given is 
arguably their best player outside of Rogers, going on, okay, fine, he, he, he's he gone to where he wants to go. But the Vizzi could have said no. He, it wasn't like he had a, a clause in the contract that was specific to where he could go. So for me, I think they've realised we can't pay everybody. And then he was coming out with the stuff around the fact that he wasn't going to play on the tag, which leaves them in the position. If that he was to, if he was to follow that through, where would they be now coming next season? I think now they've given a first round and a second round, they could potentially use that first round on a wide receiver because there is six or seven really, really aggressive wide receivers in terms of who's going to be out there come come April in the draft. But will he be able to step in immediately and build that relationship with Rogers and the chemistry to get them to where they need to be? I still think the Packers will be fine because I think the division is too inconsistent. I think the Vikings probably realistically are the only team that can challenge them and they've got a new head coach in and We've seen throughout the years that they're such a, a yo-yo side that you just never know what you're going to get from them. So the Packers will be fine, but I don't know whether it will put them in a situation where they'll be back in the championship game. But we'll see. Well, the, the Vikings have brought back Kirk Cousins, of course, Brian. So I mean, they're, they're secure at the quarterback position. And I know you ha- how strongly you feel about Kirk Cousins. So um, just, just want to... With a, with a contract to... extension, yeah. Well, the role money into him the following year, but he's still got... As, as, as they kind of had to with the original deal he yeah. did with the first ever fully guaranteed uh, quarterback deal in NFL history over a multi-year basis. So um, he sets records wherever he goes. In fact, I think so. I, I think I remember reading at one stage like Kirk Cousins over his career has made four times more money than Dan Marino or John Elway or something like that. It was just, a, it's a bizarre stat. Obviously, the money going into the game is ridiculous, but um, you would definitely put them in different categories as players. But let's just stay with the, this, as I mentioned at the start, this AFC West, uh, which is absolutely stacked. And let's stick with the Raiders at the moment still as well, because it's not just the Devontae Adams move. I mean, they traded Ngokwe to the Colts in return for Rob Yassin. But then in return for that, they're kind of like, well, what are you going to do with pass rush? Oh, I'll tell you what, we'll pick up Chandler Jones to pair up uh, opposite Max Crosby there to create a really compelling pass rush. And they might need it because weapons are bound. Juju Smith-Schuster going to the the Chiefs, etc. The Broncos might have upgraded a quarterback position. I I might have missed that one in the mix uh, column. But also, we talked about some of the big splashing moves. The Chargers, J.C. Jackson, one of the biggest cornerback deal of the free agency period. I mean, dealing with the Raiders, but dealing with all these other moves going on in this division, at this, at this particular division at the time, um, Colin, I know we're not going to know for a few months. We're not going to know till after the draft. We're not going to know after mini camps and everything smooth itself out. But you've got to be getting excited now. I mean, I know it's several months out, but this looks like epic games ahead all throughout that division. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope it lives up to it, right? Because ultimately it has the potential to um, go back. And I, I was very young to properly appreciate it, but reading up on it, Brian might remember the Gosh. NFC East uh, back in ni- 1990 and 91 um, was absolutely incredible. Just phenomenal battles between those um those teams but ultimately they came who whoever emerged was battle hardened you know so that would i suppose be be the hope and i know field yates put a tweet out uh early i think last week saying monday night football announced and weeks one to eight was afc west and as the week went on it it did Came less and less outlandish because all of these trades kind of kept kept happening, and yeah, it definitely you know there 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 was talk early in the week as well. Maybe the Raiders were looking at kind of the the Broncos bringing in Wilson and what the Chargers were doing, and the Chiefs already kind of being so stacked, and maybe they'd kind of sit on their hands and assess of no they decided no they're they're going all in as well so yeah you you would have to say that you know the the Chiefs bringing in Juju is a a good move for them it should be because they've really lacked um you know that an additional weapon Uh, and um obviously with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid they remain the the team to beat I I I am as big a, a Justin Herbert fan as I think exists but I I I'm into a Mike Williams. I'm not a fan of that move. I, I, I get maybe why they felt they had to do it. I just 
I, I think there were other options out there. Um, I think, and we'll probably touch on it later, you saw, say, you know, Alan Robinson go. I think there are other options available to to the Chargers, and I think they still have to got to, got to find a way to, to stop the run. But, yeah, I think everybody, in fairness, uh, around the league looks at the AFC West um, and, and, and goes, that will be very enjoyable. Not sure I'd really like to be part of it. But I think the one thing I would say about the four teams and what they've done is I don't think there's any, like, maybe you'll see it differently, I don't think there's any panic silence. Like everybody who's been brought into teams, we're all in positions of need. The Raiders needed a good, really top-end wide receiver. They needed someone to compliment Crosby. They got and done that. The Broncos needed a quarterback. The Broncos have done quite well in the other side, like DJ Jones, I thought was really good. Uh, Singleton was a surprise for me. Um, didn't think he had the best seasons with the Eagles. And then you got the Chiefs, and I suppose Colin has touched on it. They're probably in the best position, and lots of they'll just compliment the team. The Chiefs lost Pringle, who's was, you know kind of an underrated wide receiver for him over the past few years. He's gone to Chicago, so once I saw that happen, I felt they would move in on Schuster, uh, on Juju. So, and then the Chargers last week, we talked about predominantly how it was defense, and particularly trying to stop the run last season was really bad for them. They they brought in two defensive tackles, so they're all addressing you know the needs within the team and. Right now, it's very, I know it's, as you said, Mark, it's so far away, but it's very hard right now. And I, I genuinely say, I don't think it's a given that the Chiefs win the division or come second next year. I think it's so compelling. I think I think the first game of the season with the Rams hosting the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl, and they're going to be the host. Um, I believe the Broncos are due into LA, and I, do, I see the Raiders are in, are due mm-hmm. into LA. So I think it's a given one of those teams will be open up the season. Well, it, it used to be a little bit of a, a sad thing about the AFC North is that sometimes they beat each other up so much that they'd hurt each other's chances of getting a top seed and sometimes hurt the wild card opportunities of teams within that division. That could very well happen in the AFC West. We've seen the Chiefs march to the number one seed a few years in a row. Um, at least that is going to be less viable when you consider six games against very, very stacked divisional opponents in this regard. Well, just a quick one, Mark. We saw it last year, you know, obviously with the extra team in the playoffs, three teams from the NFC West went into the playoffs yeah. with obviously the Rams winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it's not against the Rams' possibility. That the, these I, teams are so stacked that they beat all the other teams and obviously then it plays out against the other, that they, the forum somehow making it. Maybe steel, sharp and steel, and you get you get those opportunities. But look, um, as Colin mentions, Monday Night Football. So, you know, the new crew... Uh, Troy and Joe have moved from Fox to, to ESPN. So maybe on Monday Night Football, they'll be in Mile High and in Arrowhead and in SoFi um, on a, on a, just on a rotating basis, uh, generally, um, to watch those games uh, and commentate on them, obviously. Um, but Brian, you mentioned about shoring up weaknesses. We talked a little bit earlier in the week about the Bengals have made a few moves to shore up offensive line weaknesses. I think we all saw quite patently through the playoffs, and obviously you want to protect Joe Burrow there. So they made me a few moves already. Uh, just announced uh, about an hour ago there as well, Dallas had cut Leal Collins, but the Bengals have moved quickly to pick him up, also potentially giving them further depth opportunity along the line. Good lineman there. Um, so everybody making their moves to shore up what gaps where they can and take advantage of circumstances and situations of other teams, uh, as inevitably happens. But... Let's stay in the AFC for a little bit longer, guys. There's, there's a team, they've been there or thereabouts. I mean, last year, you could say the overtime rules didn't really help them. But the Buffalo Bills have been a class act in the conference for the last couple of years, um, but not quite reaching the promised land yet. They equally, Colin, haven't been quiet in free agency. I wouldn't say it's desperation to make a move in any way, shape or form, but they're certainly not letting the grass grow under their feet. I mentioned before a certain kind of sizable contract for a 33-year-old pass rusher, but they made some other moves as well, trying to keep pace in the AFC conference. Yeah, bringing in Von Miller on, you know, but I think Andrew Brandt is right. In terms of these deals, you're going to see the headline figure. You're going to see the, the headline length. But realistically, the vast majority of these deals are kind of two two-year deals, maybe three years and for somebody like von miller i suppose there's going to be a premium coming off uh you know a a second super bowl and the impact that he had and you heard the the rams 
players talk about the impact that he had. And yes, Aaron Donald obviously is the phenomenal player, and Aaron Donald is the one who ultimately got to Burrow to prevent him getting the, the ball out to chase. But Von Miller was exceptional in the, the playoffs, and he was exceptional in the Super Bowl. I think that's what the Bills are you know, bringing him in for is the Bills intend to be a powerhouse. They intend on going to um, the the playoffs. And once you get into the dance, sacks change games. That's um, what what you need. Vaughn had a a really tough few years because the Broncos couldn't score points. And pass rushers, you need the other team to, to be taking chances, to actually be throwing the ball. The Broncos are generally behind, so they're, they're just running the ball. And, but I think you saw from Vaughn, he's not just a pass rusher. He's he's very good against the run. So for, for the Bills, they're getting serious pedigree. They also probably needed somebody who has the experience of winning, of getting over the hump. I think that's really important for them. You know, we, we know they're a very talented uh, team. Um, they came so close last year. They had to do something as well, I think, to kind of change the narrative. The last thing you wanted to was to be going into next season, just thinking back and going, oh my God, if only we had. So by bringing in, you know, um, a, a Von Miller type, somebody who says, look, we, we've done it before. Um, you know, I've done it before. I, I We can do this. And I think giving um, Josh Allen a an, op- an option at tight end, I think that's really important. I do still worry a little bit about their running game. I think that's something that they have to address. We saw um, Rashad Penny um, going back to the Seahawks. There's still plenty of running back options out there, and the draft is yet to come. But I have been impressed by the Bills in terms of they, they've gone out and they've addressed areas of need. And I don't think it, it's panic. It's about trying to find the final pieces um, to finally bring them to the promised land uh, my only concern on the von miller is the consistency of his play because colin would know more better than himself but he was injured at times in, in denver towards the end of his career there and that became kind of an issue and then during the games itself after he went for the trade like he wasn't very dumb for quite a while in fairness he kind of teams came together for the for the rams at the right time going into the playoffs but you know and he was really disruptive in the playoffs but leading up to that he was having what i felt were quieter games than we, we probably would expect to see more it reminded me it's not measurable in terms of the contract or anything but it reminded me of the tj watson for arizona last year we touched on the fact that they they were a team that were on the upper curve and they were just looking to get experienced players in and i think colin was right the bills are no they're not far off they just need a couple of players that are been there battle tested and once it was and they know what to get but for me it's it's a concern where he'll stay fifth throughout the course of the, the season um is it a six-year contract or is it one of those voidables after two or three years? I suppose we'll never know. Hey, Colin touched on the running back. I thought this was a blow last week. McKissick, who's been quite good in Washington, had agreed to go to the Bills. Um, similar scenario to what we've seen on a couple of days last week where during the tender period where players are saying they're going one place only to change their mind. Um, Randy Gregory, obviously, been one of the others who went to Denver. Um, McKissick has changed his mind and he's gone back to Washington, which is a strange move because I thought he would have done well in in Buffalo, he's the kind of player that they need just in terms of you know screen pass and he can take the ball 15, 20 yards, the kind of plays he was doing for Washington. That was a surprise that they didn't conclude that deal in the end. Yeah. Um, I think if I'm being really honest, Brian, I think the Vonman is really a three-year deal in terms of like the get out after three is probably pretty palatable um in terms of the structure. But um yeah, sometimes it's fun to read out the headline items. Uh, I'm of course, delighted to see the Bills strengthening in the AFC East and tightening their hold on that division. It's it's great to see, um, but you can't fault them for trying to take the right steps and trying to make the right decisions. Um, gents, I've, look, I've got to say, I mean, like St. Patrick banished the snakes from Ireland, as we all know so well and everything, and yet in free agency, it's not sometimes teams banishing players away but it almost feels like sometimes it's players trying to escape like i mean they i don't know i'm not trying to describe the players of the snakes but they're almost more desperate to get away from the teams than the teams are to push them out the door i'm thinking of course of your love of the chicago one column who you mentioned earlier that was finally freed from his incarceration up in soldier field alan robinson is a free man um, Marcus May seemed like he couldn't wait to get away to the Jets. He's now uh, a saint, obviously. And even Robert Woods, who, you know, obviously he's had 
bit of trouble with injuries, but hoping to get a new lease of life in the Titans who have taken flyers on 30-year-old wide receivers uh, already, as we saw last year as well. Um, lots of one-off moves that are all very fascinating in terms of the team-building me mechanisms in all these different areas and teams. But maybe on Adam Robinson first column, because I think you've been pleading for his release for about 18 months now at this stage. Yeah, uh, certainly on, on this show, I think even even longer before that, Matt Nagy, um, you know, was when I saw like there there was talks that maybe because obviously the Chiefs were looking, it's like he's not going to go and play under Nagy again, given what Nagy subjected him to. I'm delighted for him. I think it's quite telling of, of his talent that uh, head coach, um, you know, with the offensive mind of Sean McVay decides that he's the guy he wants to bring in and that he he's just prepared to let woods go and he hasn't got um odell beckham so to, to, that's i think quite telling for me of, of how highly they rate him and to pair him with cooper cup and matthew stafford they've got the deal done so he's there on a long-term deal and and i think um a, a reasonably team-friendly deal we heard a lot of talk last week about some QBs would take um, team-friendly deals. But when you look at the Matt Stafford deal, certainly when I compare it to others and a guy coming off again, a, a Super Bowl win, um, I, I think that's um, in, in two years' time, in and around 40 million will be like seen as very cheap. So uh, I, I think smart moves by by the rams obviously they had a bit of money to to play with because they didn't get it done with with vaughn they have also got and we discussed this um on, on the show a whole load of compensatory draft picks and and they tend to do very well in in the later rounds so the rams for all of the you know the, cap the draft capital they had to give up. They got that Super Bowl ring, and they look like they're you know well stocked to um, make an another run at it. We know how it how difficult it is to repeat, but you again you'd have to be impressed by what they have looked to do the this offseason. And yes, I am very excited to see Alan Robinson in that offense and with Matt Stafford joining the football. I feel for Robert Woods in a way because he's kind of like the odd man out and it's only down to the fact that he was injured because last season and the other years he's been quite a good good wide receiver, a really steady one for him and a reliable guy. So obviously coming off the injury, there, there's a report that they are still trying to pursue Odell Beckham to stay and give him the right deal. But I'm surprised it was only a fifth rounder which the Titans had to give up to get him. You know, So it wasn't like they had to give up major capital. He's a, He'll come back. If he comes back off his injury, He'd be a solid player for them. Bearing in mind, they've, they've now since released Julio Jones. He won't be back in Tennessee next year. So he'd be an interesting one to see where, where the market is for him. But for Woods, I think he'd be fresh and get a good opportunity. He's going to number one seeds. Um, but it's all about the quarterback there. And yeah, Robinson. Robinson was always playing at, it was always at an upper level. It didn't materialize for him last offseason in terms of getting the move with the tag. So he was out. He was never going to be back in Chicago. Good move for him. And just puts the Rams back in a strong position again for next season. Um, I love the Julio Jones uh, kind of rumor mill that's already started out because I, I just was just in a brief search and it's like there's Browns websites, Patriots websites, Ravens websites all saying, oh, no, no, we're definitely going to get Julio Jones. And then multiple people talking from the 49ers, from the Raiders, and my favorite all of the Packers are saying, we have to move. On Julio Jones now. I mean, a lot of them are fans websites. There's not much coming in terms of reported rumors as well, but he's still regarded, obviously, as such a great wide receiver. Uh, injuries have started to take their toll. He was, he isn't what he was, but he still showed he's got he's got plenty to offer uh, in last season with time. So if he can stay healthy, he can definitely add um, whether a complimentary piece or maybe not a leading piece anymore, but definitely a very solid number two. Um, to someone else in a, a great high-powered offense. Um, gents, I mean, the, the funny thing is, though, it's never the people that tends to be that spend the money end up lifting Lombardi in due course. Colin, you just mentioned one prime example, Matt Stafford being locked up early on in free agency last year, albeit via a trade. Um, and there are plenty of occasions of obviously teams investing lots of money and coming up with Buckus, the infamous Eagles dream team 
um, rings true. Vince Young describing it as a dream team back in the day, as you remember. Um, but nobody has spent more money this offseason, I believe I'm right in saying, than the Jacksonville Jaguars. And surely, though, the, even though what I just said, I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, that investment's going to pay dividends, of course, because it's been money well spent in a very thoughtful and measured process to have a consistent team building process around their number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. Hmm. Discuss. Well, we, we touched on this a, a little bit last week. I think essentially the way I view it is there's a, there's a premium for Jacksonville um, to get players to to go to, to Jacksonville because you, you're not going to a big market team. So even if, you know, say some of the, the, the big market teams are, might be struggling, um, you know, the, over the past couple of years, the, the Bears, the, the Giants, right? They're still huge teams with storied histories. You know what you're getting into. You know you'll have the profile. But if you're going to the Jags, you are, yeah, well, you're hoping that Trevor Lawrence could go good. At least you've got a, a head coach now who, you know, has won a, a Super Bowl as opposed to what they were doing last year. But we know that they struggle to sell seats in Jacksonville. Um, you know, that's why they have were prepared to make the commitment to London that they did. So I think there is a bit of a premium on that. They probably have to roll the dice a little bit more than others. But this is going to come down to um, Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence taking that next step. Because ultimately, if he can take the next step, then they he's going to make those guys look great. It won't matter what really what they're being paid. We know Peyton Manning got guys paid. Tom Brady has made um, guys very, very wealthy and made them household names. So it's the it's the QB. I think that to me is the the biggest piece for the Jags in 2022 is getting Trevor Lawrence to take that step to show that he really does um, belong in you know the upper echelons of the NFL where we expected him. The Jags have done some really, I think some some decent decent signings, but like again, it's all at a premium, like. Column said they brought in Darius Williams from, from the Rams. He's cornerback. He had a good season last year. 39 million is what's been speculated. Big contract. And Brandon Sheriff's come in from, from Washington. He's really solid on the offensive line on the back of them. Tagging Cam Robinson probably touched on last week's show. For me, this now is more about what are they gonna do with the draft? And when we spoke to James Palmer there last week, he still felt that they would go offensive line. I don't think that's the case now. I think it's Hutchinson all the way because they've done so much to kind of solidify the offensive line in free agency. I don't see why they would come on and go with, a, with an offensive line again in the draft. And then Evan Ingram's come in. Again, he has good days and bad days. So they brought in some good players, but it's all that. It, but it's just the nature of the contracts and the manner of what they've spent. And will we see next year or the year after where ultimately it comes back to bite them because we've seen the past teams go so heavy in free agency and then they're left with, with these long-term contracts and the team still doesn't get themselves back to where they want to be. So, gents, we, we should have announced, I should have announced at the start, I do apologise, you'll see it on the tag at the bottom. We have also opened up a TikTok account. I'm not entirely sure what TikTok is. I <laughs> definitely don't think I'm the target demographic, but we have one. There is a jersey giveaway when we hit 1,000 followers on TikTok. So if you know what it is or want to learn what it is, sign up to TikTok and follow us on TikTok because basically it's short vinaigrettes. It's smaller, shorter videos. So think of it. If it goes over seven seconds, you're already too long thinking time for someone like Jimmy Garoppolo or most of the quarterbacks in the league. Sometimes it can go longer, so you can be like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen extending the play. But frankly, once it goes past four seconds, some would say that's too long thinking time and processing time for Jimmy Garoppolo to make accurate and accurate, uh, accurate and correct decisions. Others will defend Jimmy Garoppolo and say that, well, in a system, he's an accurate quarterback. He can make key throws in the third down, but he'll forever be haunted by a Super Bowl. He could have, and Carl Shanahan could have, and probably should have won. The Jimmy G question, though, and we touched on it at the start, the Baker Mayfield question, feel like they're going to haunt the league for the next few months, though. I mean, let's be grateful. 
at least we resolved the Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Sean Watson hangovers that were looming over the league for the next while. Guys, just you know, give you ten, give me ten seconds. Like, give me your best guess. Where are they going to end up to start the 2022 NFL league season? Want to go first, Connor? I lost the ball there quickly, didn't you? I I think I think Jimmy G is probably the the Colts. I I don't know if the the Colts will go um, for. Baker, I, I just it just feels more um, Jimmy G type um, situation given um, what Jimmer say. Um, ultimately, he seems to be the the man making the the decisions there. So to me, that that's probably um, where where Jimmy G goes. The, the Baker one, I I don't I don't know. Um, you know, there there's some. There ha- there's been very um, little movement that we've heard, um, you know, in in terms of Baker over the the weekend, in terms of teams who may be interested, but maybe they're trying to suss it out. Maybe they feel that with um, Watson in there now and with Jacoby Brissett in there, that ultimately the the Browns are really going to have to kind of almost give baker away so teams may may sit on their hands a little bit and wait and see and, and feel if they were to pick him up imagine like you know if you're a, a team that essentially is wondering what what do you do and you get baker for a fifth or, or a sixth and, and you run it for a year may maybe that's what a, a team will be willing to to do but um we know we know Mr. O'Leary's thoughts on Baker. So um, where where is he going to be playing in September, Brian? I think he'll be playing in Seattle. Um, Colin, you know, made some very good points last week. You know, maybe the week sorry prior when we discussed the Russell Wilson deal, did we really think Pre Carl would be ready to do a rebuild at his age? I think this will give them an opportunity to continue to challenge, not necessarily to win the division, but be very competitive. And I think Baker Mayfield would probably be a better fit to go into Seattle than to go somewhere else where he would, he's, what's the right word? He's spiky. Is that the right, is that fair? He, he, he gets aggressive with the with the media, so I certainly don't think he'd do well in New York because he, you know, I think he'd fall out of love with them pretty quickly. But Seattle might be the right place. Jimmy G, see, Jimmy G's not going to get tra- traded to Seattle, okay? Uh, they're in the division. I don't think they'd even want them anyway. But from his point of view, I think he's going to be put in a position where He's no choice but to go to Indianapolis, but he will be going there with kind of hesitation because is it the same scenario in 12 months if they don't make the playoffs? Like Jim, Jim actually tends to come out with some really wild statements at the end of the season. He wouldn't even meet with Carson Wentz. Is, is Jimmy G looking at this going, am I going to be in the same position in 12 months if I get the team winning a game of the playoffs? Like that's They lost the game against the Jags. It wasn't all on Carson Wentz. The offensive line didn't, didn't manage that game at all very well. They, they had a, a real letdown. He, he copped it out of the flag. I know he didn't play well for large parts of the season, but he ultimately was the one who took it all. And they got rid of him. Jimmy G would be going and going, okay, we've just seen what he's done to a, a veteran quarterback in the league. Am I, am I going to be in the same position in 12 months? Probably not, because I think he's better. He's much better than Carson Wentz, but it's a risky one. Um, I still think Baker for Seattle. Um, every time you say Jimmy G, so many times I just see remembering Timberland with that song talking about Jimmy G. Anyway, um, that's beside the point. I, I hasten to add, Brian Grigson's been very busy in the Colts. Five years in a row, five different starting quarterbacks. Um, I hate, I happen to agree that with Colin, though, I think Jimmy G to Colts makes too much sense. And Brian... I don't want to agree with you, but I can't help but thinking Baker Mayfield to Seattle makes so much sense as well. Short man syndrome. They're used to a shorter quarterback out there with Russell yeah. Wilson days. Um, but I'd love to just throw a random one in there. I reckon Winston's going back to the Saints. But imagine the Saints took a flyer on another quarterback coming back from shoulder surgery like they did on Drew Brees back in the day. And they therefore build up a new dynasty in New Orleans. Um I don't think it's going to happen for multiple reasons, including the fact that this quarterback is Baker Mayfield rather than Drew Brees. But it would be interesting uh, to, to, to see in relation to it. Um, Stephen just brought a comment there as well, um, agreeing with us on Jimmy G and the, the Baker piece uh, in relation to it. But 
Jameis Winston, is he in the mix to Carolina too? I was just about okay. to call them out. We haven't even suggested Carolina. Like they, they're not comfortable with, with Sam Darnold, so something has to give there. Nobody, nobody's comfortable with Sam Darnold, but do they know what they're doing in Carolina, to be fair? Because do you think Matt Rule has a clue? Well, I thought he was a good head coach. I don't think it's all down to him, but it's the contract. With, they took the, the fifth-year option on, on Sam Darnold last year. It made no sense, like... We're in the same position. Let the quarterback play on the on his on his final year. If he has a good season and he proves himself, you give him the contract then. To take the fifth year option without seeing any seeing anything from him on the field was crazy. They could have been walking away from Sam Darnold now. Now they're tied into him. Even if they do go quarterback in the draft, which they may do at six, you know, they might decide to reach for one of these guys and just take a chance that they can be the ones that take over. But they're in a stern difficult spot. So, James, I'm going to throw out something. We we actually another deal we should have, I just want to mention in passing. We talked to lovely Colleen Wolf during the, the week. She's obviously a big Eagles fan. Um, we mentioned about their their moves at pass rusher. They've re-signed Fletcher Cox as well, which is good for them, seeing as it looked like he was moving elsewhere for a period of time. So good news for the Eagles in that regard. But I've got to throw this up. Fred put in a question to us uh, just on the chat there. And I want to throw it to you guys. Let's imagine for a second you're like, Dave Ziegler in the, the Raiders here, obviously throwing money around a little bit. You're like Brandon Bean, obviously building up the bills. Colin, I'll come to you first. If you're the owner of a pro team, are you going to put 20% of your yearly wages in the salary cap era to a quarterback, knowing that if he gets injured, you're, I mean, proper goose. This is beautiful. Right? I love the, the eloquence of it all. But, I mean, this could apply to... Uh, a Russell Wilson, not necessarily in this year, but in the outer years of his deal. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, in the redeal he's done. And obviously, Deshaun Watson with the amount of guarantee money after this first year, which is a bit artificial, um, will come in. Also applies to Patrick Mahomes in latter years, Josh Allen in latter years of their deals, where unless they restructure, it's a big portion of the salary cap. So let's play GM for a bit. We play head coaches. We play players. Let's play GM for a minute. How would you construct your team, Colin? And is that a viable team building concept as far as you're concerned? You have to pay a QB because I'm a fan of a, a team that tried running it with the with anybody at QB for the past six years and, and look what happened. So to to me, if you don't have a QB for forget about it. You can get get by for a year or two if you have um a kyle shanahan um and the mike mctaniel and an incredible kind of run game brilliant defense and everything goes your way yeah but even then you can't get fully over the hump yeah if you have a legendary leader like peyton manning sure but otherwise you have to have the game has become more and more about the QB. And actually, Stephen Holder had a really interesting piece uh, about this uh, oh, last week where he talked about how the NFL has almost kind of created a monster in which QBs are so important now right, that teams will do kind of almost anything to, to get them and, and, and anything to placate them and keep them happy. But it, obviously, I, a QB on a rookie deal is ideal and that's what you want. But if your your QB isn't on it, then you know you you have to go get it. Say, and and that goes right. We've seen the second year QBs take off in recent years, win MVP, um, Mahomes, Lamar, etc. But also look last year at the the Rams. You know they Sean McVay didn't believe in Jared Goff. So he went and got Matthew Stafford and they were able to put the pieces around him. Unless you have a QB, you don't have anything. And the Bengals are, are another example. Like the, the Bengals, what a turnaround in having Joe Burrow. So to me, yeah, I it, it, is it ideal? No, but I think you, you have to do it because I've been on the other side of not doing it. And um, the results are not pretty not fun and not at all entertaining i think the gms are forced to do it in a way because the i think the sense the, the model in which every team tries to work off is nowadays with the cap is that you get a quarterback in the draft who's i mean in two or three years he's you know a classic quarterback the likes of josh allen passed from homes and you win the football during that period which and, and it, because you've paid him very little in, in the grand comparison 
compared to other players, and then you get players around them who are obviously on the bigger contracts and they obviously, you know, complement each other and they go and win the Super Bowl. Colin was right. The Rams model did work. They got to a Super Bowl, but they didn't fulfill their potential and win that Super Bowl against the Patriots. And he was I was depth in that game, let's be fair. Like we've we've always discussed how Flores and Belichick literally called perfect perfect game against against the Rams that night. They quickly addressed that, gave it another year, it didn't work. Uh, the Chiefs have been fortunate, they've done it, you know, before Mahomes got the big contract, but then they lost the Super Bowl. So yeah, I, I think you need to be I don't like the way some of the contracts are going now, I'm not sure that's the right way, but certainly a proportional has to go. Uh, I'm with Colin look, look the joins are five years now with Jones and nothing is nothing has improved. You know, they'll give him another go and that'll be the end of it. But uh, there's still five years where they haven't been in the playoffs and there's numerous teams in the league in the same position. So if you have if you don't have a quarterback, I still think offensive line is, is also one of the major compliments. I think as we've seen in the the last few weeks, the Bengals have quickly recognized how how was getting to the Super Bowl. They struggled throughout the course of the season and they've you know, three players signed within within the space of a week proves mm-hmm. that point. But um if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have you don't have anything. Yeah, Fred, I'm just going to add, I agree entirely. You say you're proper goose. Unfortunately, the quarterbacks are the goose that lays the golden egg. And uh, if you get them on a rookie deal, happy days. But ultimately, you've got to pay to play and you've got to pay these guys to be in the game. Um, as you would know, with the Cowboys paying Dak Prescott, for example, as well. So uh, I think, unfortunately, it's a necessity of life in the NFL. Sometimes you're going to have to pay a lot. I mean, even if that is making a move to bring in a quarterback who's only won one playoff game in five years, I suppose that's better than nothing when your team hasn't won any playoff games or even made the playoff games in the last five years. But I can't imagine who, what team I could be referring to there. Um, before we round up, guys, I mean, just a general sense. And obviously, look, we could do best deal, worst deal. There are so many to pick from. There are so many bizarre things. I mean, I think you know my feelings on the Carson Wentz uh, deal from the point of view of the commanders in that regard. But I'm actually fascinated with another development that's kind of seemed to be more prevalent this year than it has in others. There have been a number of deals that have fallen through or the players have actually changed their minds fundamentally. I mean, we've had Randy Gregory announced effectively for two different teams. It happened as well with a uh, um, player for the Ravens. I can't think of the name at the moment actually as well. But We've also had a greater proliferation of almost players announcing their intentions and playing the game on social media. I know it's always been there, but for some reason it just felt a little bit bigger this year. It felt a little bit stronger. It felt like, you know, I'm always a big advocate that the teams really hold the power and ultimately under the collective bargaining agreement, the players have, you know, sold their souls in that regard for at least the next nine years under new TV deals. But there is a degree of player power being exercised through social and through trying to exercise a bit of control. Do you, am, I, am I alone in feeling this, or do you feel that it's, it's taken a new dynamic this season? I, I think it, it has, and I think the fact that you, we have quarterbacks even being traded, like, you know, would, would that have happened five years ago? Whatever you, you think about the, you know, um, Deshaun Watson and all all of that uh, that goes on there and um but the the way in which I suppose the, the the media narrative can no longer be totally controlled right because players have the ability to give their say and we've seen that Randy Gregory coming out uh, this evening being very vocal that he feels um Jerry Jones was dishonest um and that that's an interesting one um but that's directly from um the man the man himself so um i'm sure the cowboys will have plenty to say when when it comes to that but even potentially you know the talk i suppose over the last couple of days on twitter has been the fact that baker Mayfield put out that statement that was a goodbye to the Browns that he essentially said no I'm not I'm like I, you 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 went you said you wanted an adult well go go find one I'm I'm not gonna um play for you anymore uh so and uh Zed Zed uh Zed Smith was the the one for for the Ravens and JD McKissick obviously the the Bills very unhappy um, with the way that played out. Uh, if anyone saw the the press conference, so I I think the the way in which players can interact, but all, as I as I 
mentioned earlier in the show, I did see plenty of, you know, fans of teams where it didn't, you know, players have moved on or players didn't accept a contract. Talk about um, players being disloyal, but how much loyalty is there for for from organization towards players i mean i think the the cards are stacked heavily in favor of the the teams so i completely understand the individual players wanting to make the most of their particular situations i think the league may need to look at how this tampering period works because it doesn't work really because like free agency was due to start on the 16th essentially it started on the 14th because all the deals all the major deals and this is the same every year this isn't like a one-off all the deals but then probably this is the first year in a long time where we've seen so many deals fall apart when they're after being announced and then i thought well i was touched on a column last week it was unusual to see the teams start to tweet out that they've agreed a deal with a player and i thought some people even respond to the team going sorry is this not the tampering period so essentially you're admitting that you're out there doing these deals you know so I think the league might look at this because it hasn't gone it hasn't gone well for them in the last week with the deals that have fallen through. But it's been such an unusual one because the week before felt like it was free agency already with the trades, with the Russell Wilson one, Carson Wentz followed very quickly, then obviously the Baker and the Deshaun Watson thing floating in the background. So it's been one of the busier and unusual periods, but I don't think the tampering period is doing the job it's 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 supposed to do. Yeah, but it's the legal tampering period, isn't it, Brian? That's that's, that's and then the, the illegal tampering period at the combine. The the illegal tampering period, which happens for the other three hundred and sixty four days of the year. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I remember actually, I think it was MMQB back in the day, about five years ago. There was a bit of a not an expose, but a discussion with an agent who's breaking down his experiences with two key players he had who were coming up to free agency the following season. And he basically documents it's like, oh, ran into Team X at the bar in week seven, ran into Team Y in week nine, actually at the airport and things like that. And it's it was a bit of a dirty look at stuff we all know really goes on. So um, it always amazes me, of course, how they're able to announce that, you know, these multi-million dollar contracts, which run to tens of or if not hundreds of pages, are able to be signed so quickly because they're able to announce it like literally seconds after the uh, they're they're able to formally uh, confirm the deal. So I mean they, they must read really quickly. That's all I can say. Yeah, um, I think Chase Edmonds was the first that was announced. Sorry, Mark, it was four o'clock yeah. or airtime last week, and it was announced at like four o three. Chase Edmonds has gone to the Dolphins per source. And, and, and actually, talking about Chase Edmonds, I mean, Mike McDaniel, obviously, uh, former 49ers offensive coordinator. The Dolphins have also announced Raheem Mostert has come into the Dolphins on a free agency deal. That's a good so move. I like that this, move. That's a really good move, but I, I've got this funny feeling the Dolphins might try and run the ball next year. I don't know why. Might have something to do with Mike McDaniel and his entire offensive game plan, but it's just an inkling that's coming up there. So load up on DTs in the AFC East as well if you're playing the Dolphins next year. But guys, there are so, literally so many deals, so many things we haven't touched on. Chris Godwin re-upping with the Buccaneers. He wasn't going to play on the tag. That's obviously giving them a bit of cap room, committed to them longer term. So they've got Godwin and Evans locked down for a bit longer, which is obviously good again uh, in that space. But there's so many angles and ways and things we can talk about in relation to free agency for the upcoming season. Nobody won the Super Bowl in March, though, so there's a long, long way to go. But before we roll up tonight, any further thoughts, any other comments, observations you'd like to share before we go in peace to love and serve the NFL? Well, there's um, some news in that Turn Armstead is uh, headed to Miami uh, tomorrow, and it looks like they might get that deal done. Obviously, um, you know, we talked um, with Sam Monson quite a bit about the almost historically bad O-line play from the Dolphins last year. And Brian talked earlier in the show about how teams are, you know, really looking to address O-line issues. This uh, in, in free agency, you saw the, the Bengals, despite how good Burrow is and, and taking advantage, but they need to keep them around. You don't want to do what the Colts did to Andrew Luck, where you have a generational talent and, and ultimately he gets so beat up that he decides he, he's had enough. So uh, that that's an interesting one also, given his how good he is, that would be huge, I think, for the Dolphins 
I think you're going to see, obviously, a brand new offensive scheme there. I am really interested to see what McDaniel can can do and how he transitions. Can he make the transition from OC to, to HC? If he can, they could be uh, one uh, who could be potentially sneaky good. But obviously, there's... Um, Another investigation to play out in um, Miami with their owner. So there's all sorts to, to happen in the NFL. And I have no doubt that, um, you know, we are in for another uh, surprise or two in the week ahead. I'll finish on the NFC East. So like from, from a Giants perspective, I didn't expect any snazzy uh, moves or any big moves. There's no money to really to play with, but um you know where it took the when it, where the previous GM didn't address the offensive line for five years. Um, the new GM has come in and signed four players uh, from offensive line, two from Buffalo, which wasn't a surprise. I always felt he'd go back and take players from there, and uh, one really strong one from the Colts. So that was good. But it, the fascinating story for the NFC East people is is the Cowboys because um, it just doesn't seem like everything is right there. You know, Cooper was traded. Obviously, that was a salary uh, dump. Uh, Collins is gone. Um, Randy Gregory's uh, fiasco last week, he's gone to Denver. Um, there's a few other players that have moved on, and the Cowboys haven't brought in a lot. So, from a team that's just won the division, you know, they don't seem to have made a step up in terms of what I would have thought they'd do in free agency to complement the team that they already have. So, it'll be interesting to see where they go in the draft. And the draft is going to soon be on the way. We'll be back, obviously, every week between now and then with you on a weekly basis. We've got a few interviews lined up and we'll be building up to our draft coverage. Um, when I'm sure we're going to do something stupid like stay up all night for the first round again because that was so wonderful last year and didn't kill any of us um, whatsoever. But uh, look forward to being with you all for that, um, gents. Thank you, everyone, for watching, for your comments and things like that. Guys, in the first week, it's, you know, the same old thing, isn't it? AFC West are loading up like Reagan and Khrushchev during the 80s on weapons, and we've got the Browns doing extensive due diligence, and I think they've just been contacted by the Premier League who want that same extensive due diligence to be applied uh, on their uh, investigations going forward. But uh, that's all for this week. We're sure to be back next week with more fun and games in the NFL. Until then, it's a thanks again to our sponsors, Trust.com, MiniArcadeSystems.com, and, of course, the Erlingus College Football Classic coming up this August. Colin, Brian, it's been a pleasure as always, gents. Thank you. Yeah,